Hello. Welcome back to Transistor Radio. This is a chip chat with Doug and Dylan. And today we're here to talk to you about OFC before we forget about all the things we learned there. So um, there's some spicy new things. And I think we're going to try to make an outline of what we're talking about. Dylan, uh, you want to go first on that? Like the things we're trying to cover and then we'll go one by one through all of them. Sure. So we're going to do a little bit of a, a explanation of data center networking vertically, um, and then we can talk about two, two or three incrementally, you know, really big things that were from there, right? So Google's got a custom switch. Marvell's got this DSP dilemma, um, and then there's the whole world of co-package optics and coherent optics and certies. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff on the investment side, but let's first take a step back and just talk about, you know, what, what how exactly does data center networking work, right? So you start off with a, a rack, right? And then the rack, you have a bunch of servers. Um, and those servers uh, connect to what's called a tour or a top of rack switch, right? So that's that's sort of level one of your networking, right? So each server has a networking card and that connects to the top of the rack. Um, and there's a switch there. And then from there, that switch is, is often called a leaf um, and it goes to the spine. So there's So then that connects up through the network, right? There's more switch. There's, there, you know, you have dozens of, of, of racks, each with a top of rack switch. And those top of rack switches then connect to another switch. And this is sort of called the spine. And that spine, um, and you can have multiple layers, of course, right? Um, but that spine is, is an even faster layer of switching, right? Because you have to connect all these high-speed sw- switches together. And in effect, you're, you're scaling, you know, in a rack, you're scaling tens of servers uh, but the, it, it, at the leaf level, but then at the spine level, you're scaling hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of servers. Um, and so there's different kinds of op, uh, optics. There's different kinds of, you know, you can use copper at short ranges. You can use uh, what's called active copper or um, active electrical cables, at, you know, for a slightly larger distance. Then there's optics, but there's multiple kinds of optics. There's multi-mode fiber. Uh, there's single mode. Uh, there's coherent optics. There's so many different kinds of optics as well. So we kind of want to outline this. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially before we forget, because truly this is one of the most confusing things ever. Something, for example, is there's deep, there's different layers of modulation, right? NRZ is non-return to zero, which is binary, two bits. Then there's PAM4. PAM4 is four bits of information. So there's four levels, and that's uh, doubling the data rate. Then there's coherent, which is 16 levels, which is, an, or uh, no, there's eight QAM and 16 QAM. Man, don't, don't worry about it. It's another dub- doubling of, again. But for example, PAM4 well, can be done completely on- differently too. Yeah, yeah, it works completely differently. PAM4 can be done on copper. PAM4 can be done on on fiber. Coherent cannot be done on copper. Coherent has to be done on fiber because coherent is a light base. So like PAM4, for example, this higher level of modulation, that is, um, that is something that can be done electrically or optically. So all this stuff is really, really, really confusing. But at a high level, um, the most important part is all of these things are connecting the servers to each other. And that's important for scaling all this stuff out. And there's kind of been this like this kind of like this like ghetto Moore's law going on in networking that I think is also maybe a little, little important to talk about. Um, well, uh, wait, sorry, I I'm on one today, so uh, yeah. The, so Moore's law is like doubling every two years. It is not doubling every two years. So what's happening that that um, and and this is actually a really interesting shift is like pre pre 2010, essentially 10G networking was the fastest that we are going on a transceiver level, and that was um, four lanes of 10 what, gigabits. What's a transceiver, Doug? 
Oh, great, great, great thing. Happy you asked. Okay, so um, so there's a Jesus man, this is hard to explain. There's uh there's switches and then there's transceivers. Switches are, I'm sure you've heard of a switch, but it's obviously like switching packets between each lane to essentially like direct the traffic to where it's go. Not to be confused with routers. Routers are when it leaves the network, switches are still within the local area network. That's like the differentiation. But um, so transceivers are are what you plug into the switch. It's like essentially it's an Ethernet cable, but these Ethernet cables are not your daddy's ethernet or you're not your grandpa's ethernet cables they're a lot faster right in order for um you know the ethernet cables that you're maybe used to are like 10 like i don't know 10 megabytes or something but it's 40 gigabytes and that's four lanes of 10 gigabytes and that was in 2010 okay so then in 2014 we went out to uh, 100 which was uh and so each lane gigabit is gigabits or sorry gigabits sorry each lane yeah. <laughs> my might be uh each lane has uh what is uh, limited by something called sturdies, which is serial serialized, deserialized. Essentially, think of it as I can't even explain sturdies in a very quick. So sturdies uh, so is is you know there's there's two ways to send data, right? You can go wide and slow, right? Like think up think about you know train tracks. I don't know, like a, a, a semi truck. You 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 go a lot slower, or you can you can say, hey, everybody, hop in your little Ferrari, and we everybody just drives behind each other. So and mm-hmm. and every single Ferrari has only one box in it. Right. So that's like what a 30s is. It's going way, way faster, but at a, uh, you know, in a much narrower form factor. And so when you're going in a chip, you want to go parallel, right? Because it's going to be lower power. Uh, But the problem is when you go parallel and slow, uh, one, you can't reach as far, right? Um, and so that's the whole beauty of Surtees is they're they're capable of reaching further. And then also, you know, when you go from the chip to the motherboard or anywhere else, right? Any any transition from you know silicon to not silicon, or you know from one form factor, right, from a cable to a connector, or connector to a, bo- a PCB, you know, there there have to be that many pins, right? And and you can't have thousands of pins connecting, you know, the going from the CPU to one cable, right? And then a cable cannot have thousands of wires in it, right? That's that's not economically feasible. So instead, you do a fewer short number of lanes, right? So as Doug was alluding to earlier, four by 10 gigabit, there were four lanes that were each one of those was an individual series, right? And driving that each and it was driving at a speed of 10 gigabits per second. Um, and so when we talk about, you know, this ghetto Moore's laws, Doug tried to kind of excite, right? Um, you know, every every layer of the network is, is improving, right? So the optics, those are doubling, right? The the switches, those are doubling. And then the surveys, that's the sort of core of it. And they're in the they're in the switches, they're in the networking cards, um, so on and so forth. Those are also doubling, right? So, you know, you go from four by uh, 10 gigabits for 40 gigabits total to four by 20 gigabit, 25, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, right? So you double. And so, you know, ever since the uh, four by 25 G generation, we've sort of hit an inflection point where we went four by 25, four by 50, four by 100, four by, uh, you know, eight we, by 100. We've, yeah, sort of, we even, we've sort of just rocketed forward in speeds uh, yeah. because the 30s have just advanced so fast. Yeah, but at the same time, the Surtees kind of the Surtees is the key limiter here. So there's like a really good chart that I totally I think I got from from Alibaba Cloud. Essentially, 10G Surtees in 2010, 25G in 2014, and then 2018 it went to 50, 2022 100, 2026. So there, there's a doubling every four years, which is 
obviously not Moore's Law pace. Where the ghetto Moore's Law comes in is because we're we're increasing the single lane of speed, but then we're stacking more lanes together. And that's by changing the, the, the form factor. And so what we had four lanes of 25, that was 100 G. And then instead of, and then we went to 50 G instead of doing four lanes by 20, uh, 50, which would be 200. We said, wait, we can do eight lanes by, uh, by 50 and that's 400. And so right now what we're even talking about 16 lanes of 200 of hundred G, right. I think, uh, for, for some implementations or eight, eight lanes of 200 G. And that is, that is, uh, the 1.6 T. So we get a doubling every two years kind of, um, kind of cadence, but that's because we're, we're increasing the, the lane speed and we're increasing how many lanes that we put together. So that's uh it's it's kind of a really confusing thing but this is a huge deal. This this didn't happen before and and one of the reasons why this is happening cuz the data center needs so much more networking than they used to. And so uh we were talking about the okay so that was just the explainer of a transceiver, right? The 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 different generations. Oh yeah, um, so a transceiver, we didn't explain what it is, right? So yeah. a transceiver <laughs> plugs into the switch or it plugs yeah. into the server, right? So it yeah. connects to the networking card or it connects to the switch. And yeah. Um, if you can go uh, electrical, then that's fine. It's just a piece of copper connecting the two servers together. But as you expand a range, right, your certes cannot go so far, right? They cannot drive that chip so far forward so or the, the signal so far without degrading the signal and you're losing, you know, getting errors because you can't read it properly, so on and so forth. So instead, you put in a transceiver and that transceiver, you know, um, either you can plug in direct attach a to- a copper cables, or you can go to optics. Right. And now you start, you go over the optical realm, right? Fiber optics, you know? Um, and so this transceiver is basically is converting that electrical signal to an optical signal, sending it over fiber, and then it's going to the destination. And this is, you know, it is higher power. It is higher cost, but it's also the only way you can get to a certain reach. Um, and this is, there's always a battle of like, hey, how far can I go with my certies? Hey, how far can I go with my optics? How cheap can I make my optics? Uh, oh, what, what am I giving up for those optics? Or hey, how how far, how fast can I go with my optics? But what am I giving up either on speed or cost, right? Because it's, it's a multidimensional problem. And so this is where you start having, you know, your PAM4 optics, you start having your single mode, uh, VIXEL based optics, you start having your multi-mode, or sorry, multi-mode VIXEL based optics, you have your single mode, uh, direct, directly modulated optics, you have your coherent optics, uh, you have your you have your direct attached copper cables, you have your active electrical cables, um, your active, you have your active copper cables, there's literally like at least six different kinds of, uh, of ways to send data. And depending on your cost, depending on your power, depending on your um, distance, all and your speed, all of these factors, you know, it's a multi-dimensional problem and it's not always like hey at this point it's always best like yes for 200 meters you're probably best off going single mode fiber um directly modulated lasers blah 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 but and and at one meter you're definitely better off going direct attached copper cable but when does the transition happen is is there space for middle tiers and this is the whole battle of networking that is makes it so hard to know you know what's going on and who's winning and what's going where because every generation you know those numbers and parameters the the line in the sand between each technology type is changes yeah and and not only that something i also wanted to highlight here as kind of a kind of a segue into our next topic is uh the dsp so a digital signal processor like more semiconductor traditional i'm sure you guys know what that is like so one of the big changes one of the big changes that moved us from 10g to 400g optics in like you know eight years or something like that was that we started to add 
a DSP to the transceiver. So that helped us correct some of the error rates. Because one of the problems with this is like, okay, well, you can make the, the the data speed go faster, but what happens is you add noise. And that that noise is one of the biggest problems in this in 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 all of networking, right? Like more noise equals not signals. You, you know, you're literally trying to find the signal in the noise. So the DSP, the insertion of DSP was a huge um, benefit in order for us to scale to faster and faster rates and able to do it um, easily with like, with importantly interoperability. And that's also something I want to talk about really quickly before we go with Marvell is another big thing that was really important to make this all happen was like the open compute align or I think it's the open networking forum or whatever. What essentially there's a there's a giant uh there's a giant standard that all the OEMs um uh comply with. And that's really important to make the Ethernet networking dream possible because um customers and vendors don't like let's roll this back to the cisco days once upon a time cisco ruled everything and they had all all steps of the stack and you could only use cisco routers with cisco switches and um that really sucked for the customer and especially now these customers have so much market power they have more market power over any individual oem what they're asking from the customers is or from the oems is like hey we want to make sure all your different parts all work together out of the box you could just you take a juniper uh, you can take a Juniper pluggable and put it into an Arista switch, and then the Arista switch can have a, you know, I don't know, an Infinera pluggable out, and the Infinera plugs into like a Broadcom, like so that all the OEMs work together, even though they're all made by different parts, and each of the different components can be different. So um, the the DSP insertion was a big uh, change that happened over the last five years, and that actually what brings a DSP us- does, by the way, is it's 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 a Certes. On one end, it converts it from that serial, right, analog communication, converts it to digital. It does some correcting of the data, and then it sends it back out in a, in a serial manner again, right? So it's it's basically just like taking the signal, fixing it, and put, sending it back out um, in, in, a, in the most simplistic way. Um, and so, so that's why, right? Because if you had to go all the way from the switch all the way to the optics without any of any DSP in the middle, then your signal degrades. Uh, but now that you've added this middle step in the road, um, it, it makes it much easier for you to jump speeds. Um, and so that that was that was the big significance of the DSP. Um, and, and the winner there, right, was was a company called Infi. Uh, they're the ones who sort of pioneered a lot of this or or at least productized it um, and, and did it successfully. And, and they they beat, you know, Broadcom to the punch and they beat so many others. And, and you know, uh, they got bought by Marvell. Uh, one of Doug's, you know, best pieces that he's ever done is he talked all about Infi and why it was the best investment case ever. And then, like three weeks later, Marvel buys them, and he's like, "No, it was, it was because this is it was <laughs> it was it was literally like eight days or something. Like it's under it's under double digit days." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" I literally wrote this giant transceiver primer, and I was like, "I don't have any content for like the next mo-. like I had like a quarter's worth of content just diving into Infi over and over and over." Um, but yeah, the DSP was huge, and and something we talked about earlier about the different modulation. Types types, right? NRZ, PAM4, coherent, that was very enabled by um, very enabled by the DSP because because each of those modulation, higher levels of modulation has higher levels of data, uh, data throughput, but has uh, meaningfully more noise. And the DSP was a huge enabler to make that possible as well. So yeah, Infi, this company that was, you know, super, you know, beat them, beat Broadcom to the punch, kind of like the, the, like the king underdog, if that makes sense. Uh, really like rode the generation, had the DSP, had this whole like giant e- ecosystem change. But Arissa came out and talked uh, mad shit about essentially why they don't need Infi's DSP anymore. Because one of the things that 
comes with the, the DSP is that's that's the meat that's the largest piece of cost in in a transceiver. So one of these transceivers, they're like a few hundred bucks or something, and the largest, most expensive component after uh you know the is the DSP and then the laser. And so the DSP um costs a lot, and we didn't used to use a DSP before this. We didn't need to do all this error correction. Right. Um, if the signal is clean and like pure enough, then why why do you need to correct it? And so Arisa came out and said, "Well, we think we can do linear. We can we can do 800G pluggables at um, I think it's eight by one lanes of uh, so eight lanes um, at PAM four using uh, what's called linear direct drive, which means that on both ends there's no DSP. The DSP and the switch is what does the correcting, and all the components are." High quality enough to put out a high high enough signal over like some some I, I think they're relatively short distance and and the big appeal is well now um, and this is like this is some napkin math but now this 800g pluggable is like 250 bucks and the 400g pluggable with a DSP is 250 bucks so why wouldn't you just go instantly over to 800g uh, generation so there's there's been this like huge share potential share shift because um, hey now all of a sudden without the DSP this is uh, cheaper and faster and um, you could you could justify switching earlier, but this oh, is when your power this, your power halves right, and your oh, latency oh, yeah. is also lower. Yeah, well, which is huge for AI. But the problem for this is like this also comes at like a really weird time. Do you want to talk about like that the one point six T versus not? I mean, this is like the big controversy yeah. or debate of the whole OFC. But like truly, it is a little bit of an open like no one really knows what's going to happen. Like I have some thoughts, but I I mean we'll see. You want to talk about like the the timing differences? Yeah. Dylan? So. So at four by 25 G, right, you went to four by 50 G um, and then you went four by 100 G. So very, you know, your, your, the number of lanes stayed the same, your surge speed doubled every two years at, at 800 G um, the industry didn't think it was possible to do 200 G four by 200 G. So instead they went eight by 200 G. Now this has, you know, a whole host of issues, right? Um, one is, you know, you, you take up space on the front, uh, you know, extra space on each switch. Uh, you know, it doubles the space, right? If you want to do 51.2T with with four by, you know, with a bunch of four by 200 ports, or if you want to do it with eight by 100 ports, it takes a whole lot more space. Um, and and so, you know, every, you know, that's that's one issue. It's higher power. Um, you know, there's the, it's the, it's lower density, um, so on and so forth, right? Uh, but you know, the, and, and it's harder to build the switch and so on and so forth in terms of the number of lanes, although it's easier in terms of the surge speed. But this enabled you to stick with that one surge speed for four years, right? Tomahawk three, I think, is their twenty five point six T generation. Four is their fifty one point two generation. Might be five. Uh, anyways, um, they they which is Broadcom switch, right? They own the switch market. Um, you know, they 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 decided, hey, if you know, we you know they 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 double they they doubled the speed of their switch gen on gen, but they did it with twice as many lengths. So that meant they needed to have, you know, twice as many Surtees lanes. Um, but because they had another two years to work on the Surtees, they got so much better at it, right? And so this is what's created this whole generation of, hey, can we do linear drive? Now, on the other side of the fence, right? Well, we can't go to 16 by 100. That's just going to cost way too much, right? Um, and, and some companies think that you have to go to 16 by 100, but both Broadcom and Marvell and NVIDIA, all three of the biggest networking players, all think you can go 8 by 200. Right to get to 1.60, which is the next generation after 800G, which is the one we're on. We're, we're starting to ramp right now, right? So 
Oh, the three biggest networking companies think 1.6T is 8 by 200 G. And therefore, right, it's pretty much going to be 8 by 200 G. It's better on a cost basis, it's better on power, so on and so forth. Um, and so last year, this was more of a debate. Everyone had put their line in the sand. A lot of people were arguing 16 by 100. Um, and so the question is, right, if if you're if you're Broadcom, right, or if you're in video or if you're, you know, you're saying, hey, you know, we've had another two years to work on our 30s. That optical module, we don't need a DSP in it because our surges is so good. You know, we can just get a good signal to the optics right away. We don't need something in the middle to correct it. And that middle piece being Marvell's chip, right? Marvell's DSP or Infi's DSP, right? Um, and so, you know, for one generation, it looks like, hey, maybe we could go to a linear drive. But then the question is, when we go to 8 by 200 g can you stick with it, right? Because now you're going back to a new generation of surges. So this is a whole, you know, debate is, you know, can you do linear drive at 200 G? NVIDIA thinks you can, right? Broadcom was kind of quiet on it. Um, Arista was pretty quiet on it. They're both talking about how this generation, 8 by 100 G, you can definitely do it. Uh, but NVIDIA thinks you can do 8 by 200 G without a DSP, but that's because they're kind of a, you know, specialized use case where their chips are only talking to their chips. So it's not really like that important. Uh, or as important and it's yeah. a vertical stack they, and so on they and control, so forth. Well, because like essentially one of the things that was like, it's like, well, this doesn't really work in anything but a super homogenous environment. And well, NVIDIA is like, buddy, we got the most homogenous environment ever. Like you ever heard of MVLink? Like these these super pods are essentially only going to, like they're going to be able to do that that with uh, the least error correction. It isn't going to be super far away. Like they're not going to be really shooting for mid-reach or like, like a kilometer, like it's like all these things just don't really matter. So NVIDIA gets to like really decide their their hyper niche use case. And I mean, NVIDIA gets to decide everything that matters and touches their GPU. So they can have this entire stack that's custom to them and it's completely single source. And so, yeah, there isn't that issue where as like all the like the more general cloud service provider um, pluggables, you need you you can't really do that. Um, so there's like kind of this debate because, well, in NVIDIA and, and Broadcom are like, well, well, Broadcom and Arista are like, well, we can do this linear drive thing. Why do we need this DSP? And then everyone in the open open ecosystem is like, dude, do you know why we put a DSP in it so that everything could work together? So um, and then also the 800G pluggable is going to kind of ramp at the same time as the 1.6T uh, 1.6T pluggable is going to ramp. So there's like this weird mismatch because analog essentially uh, catches up to the digital solution right as the digital solution gets better. And apparently this is not the first time this has happened. Like in, in previous generations, people have talked about this before. So um, we're going to have to see, but I, I do think that the difference here is that um, AI, AI needs a lot of networking and AI wants the lowest because it's super power hungry and it's super latency uh, latency constrained. And so linear linear direct drive is like the perfect solution for that. So this this time might be a little different because AI is going to be a use case where it seems pretty pretty obvious that it can work. So that's kind of a and so I mean like what was your conclusion on Marvell's DSP like on net? Right. So so that was just we only talked about one side of this, which is hey their DSP dilemma like Broadcom and NVIDIA you know number one and arguably number three in networking right or maybe number one and two depending on how you you know fit NVIDIA's Switch networking or try and count it right. 
But like, you're, you're, if you're, you know, you're talking about two of the three biggest players in networking saying we can do that this generation. Um, NVIDIA is saying we can do it next generation as well, but they're vertical, whatever. Let's let's say they do their vertical stuff. Uh, the, the other side of the DSP dilemma is just that there's the competition is heating up in DSPs as well, right? Infi dominated 4x25G, dominated 4x50G, dominated 4x100G, 8x100G is looking a lot different, right? Broadcom is actually in certain segments they are coming to a market with a, a DSP faster. In other segments, Marvell's faster, right? Um, you know, specifically the integrated drivers on five nanometer, uh, integrated TIA driver and DSP, Broadcom is doing first. Um, and that's not the bulk of the market, but it is a significant portion. Um, and then there's other competitors, right? So Marvell's on five nanometer too as well, right? Um, and Broadcom is just a little bit later, but um, Max Linear, right? Max Linear has always talked about their up their DSPs. Um, they didn't they didn't do too well in previous generations, but this generation they've actually sampled only a couple months behind Broadcom and Marvell, right? So it's like it's a complete like you know they've always said hey we're going to do it. The last generation they actually were you know so far behind they just kind of cut it. I think they cut their losses. The previous generation they were you know six months behind or a year behind, but this generation they're only like three months behind. And so there's another you know incremental data point. Now I don't think they're going to grab tons of share, but they could grab some. Um, mm -hmm. And Broadcom is definitely going to grab some share. Um, and then you start talking about oh, there's Credo and Alpha Wave and and you know uh, uh, um, uh, you know a couple Chinese companies trying to do this as well. Like you start talking, you going down the list, and it's like oh, the DSP market is much more fragmented. And even if Marvell stays on top, Broadcom is gaining share, and Linear Drive is gaining at least some share. And, and yeah. the debate is how much, but there's clearly share loss happening for Marvell. So, and, and to be clear, you know, homie over here wrote up Infi once upon a time. And I think that you'd have to be insane to think that Mar that Infi was going to have hundred, like effectively 90% plus share forever. Like that, that share loss story was always going to happen. The natural resting order of semiconductor, you know, uh, semiconductor and markets is like a 60, 30, 10 or a 60, 40 or something. So in this case, it might be 60, 30, 10 being Marvell, Broadcom, Max Linear. But the problem here is this this share loss is happening at the same time as linear drive is happening and so what might happen is that even though in their in their actual vertical market it's 60 60 30 10 or whatever like you know 60 whatever 60 30 10 some percentage of the market is going to leave the dsp transceiver tam and so what effectively happens is more like 50 40 10 right like now there's and yet it another happens to be the most you know besides the spine which we'll get to in a bit right Besides yeah. the spine, this is the most networking intensive unit, right? Which is NVIDIA AI stuff, right? So, so if you're going to do what NVIDIA wants you to do in the AI world, which many people are going to do, right? Because it's just like the only way you can get GPUs from them is if you build exactly what they want you to build um, because there's such a shortage, right? Uh, and and we'll, our, I think our next episode will be about this. But, um, you know, in general, right, you're going to have to move to the NVIDIA solution. Um, and, NVIDIA, and if NVIDIA wants this, um, and it's it's and it's arguably the the correct decision, right? In terms of power, latency, et cetera, right? Um, then then you know, let's say another ten percent of the high end market leaves, right? So now so now you're at sixty thirty ten. Oh, by the way, that sixty thirty and ten is all discounted by ten percent as well. So you know, it's 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 like oh, you know, and 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 these aren't the actual share sugar figures. There's there's more detailed share figures uh, out there. It's just uh, you know, this is more easy to understand for people. Yeah, it's just like an easy heuristic because because like let's not forget that this is a a generation that hasn't shipped yet. Like we're sampling and we're ramping like right now, and I I mean like what 
when does the 800 and 1.6 c even come out like i want to say like 24 right, so, so 800 g is 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 like just starting to shift now right because broadcom's tomahawk 5 which okay. is the 51.2 t switch just started shipping high volume um and then nvidia starts ship it's just started shipping high volume or they started sampling maybe a couple months ago and they'll they'll start shipping high volume in a couple months probably um so so we're like right on the cusp of 800g and then nvidia same with nvidia's uh vertical ai clusters with the nv link between nodes um that's also you know uh just started shipping um sampling and and and, and jensen said uh high volume in h2 right um uh, so so like all of these things are you know just on the cusp but you know, versus the prior generation, there's clear loss. Is is the point? Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it it definitely kind of came at a, a weird time, and it, it sucks that it came all at once. So that's kind of the the DSP dilemma. And I think let's talk about one cool science project before we continue. Um, you want to talk about the the Google Spine because it's kind of one of the more clever, but like also hyper esoteric ways to um, to solve. Uh, switching. And so uh, Google came out with this thing, I think it was called Project Apollo. Like uh, Dylan has a really good write-up. That's like truly the write-up I keep going back to. Um, and it talks about uh, essentially, you know, we talked about this leaf spine system where the the leaves are all the different things. And the spine is what connects all the leaves together in this, um, in this giant data center networking thing. Um, so one of the problems is that you're always like, you know, when you upgrade each of the sp- the leaves, you have to also upgrade the spine in order to keep like the spine has to keep up with the leaves. You, and you can't just like what happens is you have to you have to upgrade the whole thing um all at once or keep the spine at the fastest level or you do a piecemeal. But like if you do a piecemeal, there's like there's compatibility issues. It just becomes a total mess. So Google said, let's just like let's just throw all that away. We're actually gonna make a we're gonna make a MEMS mirror array as a switch. So Instead of the switches that you all know and love, or maybe know and hate from from Broadcom, at the core of their spine are um, these like two fifty six by two fifty six mirrors, and they're they're moved by by MEMS, my, uh, and so they're like super precise, and they're really they're they're not as fast as like a typical electric electrical switch. But the thing is, since it's a mirror and we're bouncing off light, it doesn't matter what generation or what speed or what what modulation goes into it. You could put 100G and you could put 100G in it. You could put a 400G, you could an 800G. And so what they did is that they essentially future-proofed um, their spine by making it analog. So they have an analog spine at the top of their data center network. Did I get that right, Dylan? Yeah, pretty much. And, and, and to be clear, I didn't write it. George wrote it. Uh, he's, he's another oh. member of Semi-Analysis and he was oh, at nice. OFC uh, with us. But um, yeah, so so George wrote it, but I, I attended the presentations and, and obviously I edited his work. Um, but, um, you know, basically instead of switching it, right, instead of going from, you know, if you think about uh, the path of, of a packet, right, once it once it reaches the, the leaf, right, it goes into the switch. Right, it, it comes out of the switch electrical. It goes into the DSP, um, and, and it gets converted back to digital. Then it gets converted back to analog. Then it goes into the optics, right, and it gets converted to optical. Um, and then it goes across a fiber to the spine. And then in the spine, it gets converted out of optics into serial. It uh, goes into the DSP, gets converted to digital, gets converted back to serial. Then it goes to the switch, right, and the switch convert it brings it into the switch, converts it to digital, does its packet processing. And then converts it back to serial and sends it out. And then you go all the way back through that entire chain to get to a leaf, right? That is so many changes of format, so much power loss, so much cost, so much heat. Um, and, and as Doug said, right, you know, you, you have all this capex every time you generate, you do a new generation. So instead, you're 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 literally just saying, 
you know, because you're Google, you know exactly where all the data center traffic wants to go at any moment's notice. Um, and, and they've had to do a lot of software work to get this to work. They're basically just saying, yeah, screw this. We're just going to bounce a mirror. We're going to we're going to rotate this tiny mirror and we're going to bounce it in the correct direction. And we don't need to go through all of these steps. Like, it's just crazy, but it's so cool. Um, but, you know, and it's only possible because Google is like the master of their data center. And it's like no one else can even think about doing this unless they have as much control as Google, which is like four companies in the world. Uh, which again, and, and Google's been working on this since 2015 or 2014. Yeah. So it's like, and, and and they've implemented this in every single one of their data centers, pretty much. Like, I think they showed a, tra- a stat, a traffic stat. And it's like 98% of their traffic goes through these switches now. Just like, what's, what? And no, what, you didn't tell anyone until this year. <laughs> yeah. So what's really weird about this whole thing is, um, you know, D- Google is in many ways a pioneer in data centers. Like, uh, I, I think I read this book about like data center topology or whatever. And like Google was like, you know, putting out record industry breaking P- PUEs back in like 2011. Essentially, they're the first person to PUE, actually, Doug? oh, that's a good uh, power something efficient power user. Well, essentially, it's the ratio of um uh, ratio of energy going to the servers versus everything else. And so, um, yeah, I need to look that up, but, and, and Doug's got a great article on this, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Power, power. Yeah. We're going to put, we're going to push each other's articles. So power usage effectiveness. And so, yeah, they put out this crazy stat, like, like in 2011, before we even thought about power usage in the data center. So they've already been doing this custom since the beginning. They've been doing it before anyone else has even thought about it. And so this is the reason why Google gets to do one of the weirdest science projects ever. And what's really interesting is by doing this, I feel like it's kind of a snub to the entire open ecosystem of networking because it's obviously proprietary. And um, But obviously it's, it's forward integrating because it's analog. And so I just think it's like, it's just one of the weirdest little things ever. And I really wonder how well it will scale because now like the problem is, is like, let's say, let's say one of these things break, like you have to have a custom supply chain. Like as far as I understand, they're really one of, they're maybe the only people in the world pursuing this option. So, um, they have to maintain, they have to do all the stuff if they want to scale it to more than the 176 mirrors or whatever, 140 mirrors, they're gonna have to do all of it. And that's very Google-like, like, you know, no one else would pursue their entire own strategy. So, um, yeah. But the, the cost savings are huge, right? So they're, they're saying this reduces their um, their their CapEx by uh, 30%, or sorry, it reduces their capex by thirty percent, and it uses forty percent less power, um, and and it improves their throughput by thirty percent, right? And then there's there's some other statistics, you know, like flow completion and and downtime. It's fifty x less downtime, they said, across their network versus an electrical switching, right? Because you don't need to upgrade the switches up, right? Yeah. On the spine. Um, so so you know they're they're saying you know because this doesn't count uh, multiple generations, you know, um, the, you know this is you know. because you don't have to replace it in multiple generations, right? If you assume, you know, the OCS, uh, which is Google's optical switch, lasted three upgrade cycles, then the upfront, and and you use their numbers on CapEx, right? Their upfront cost of that switch is three and a half times higher than a normal electrical switch, Um, you know, because there are some ASP growth, there is some ASP growth across, uh, you know, Ethernet's generations. Um, and if you say it lasts four generations, then it's something like six times as much CapEx, right? Like, especially when you start including optics and stuff like that, right? So it's it's a massive amount more expensive per switch, but Google can say, screw it, you know, this is going to last us forever, not forever, but you know, it's going to last us three it, or four generations probably. And theoretically, it can last way longer. 
Yeah, it's it's like a huge like it's like a one of those decisions they have to make way before anyone else was thinking about it, and it really should. Like, I don't know why do, why won't these things last ten years, twenty years? Like, I mean, twenty years with maintenance, and like that's kind of really rare in the in the networking stack where you have longevity like that. And obviously, you get to have longevity like that because it's analog. There's no like it's literally just bouncing light. Very clever and very cool and very Google. So um, I think that's all we want to talk about OFC because we have to do. Uh, uh, anything else we want to talk about? Anything cool? No, I think I think I think I think that's a good wrap up of OFC, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed our rambling and and definitely some of the oversimplification of the networking stack. Which hopefully no network engineers are listening to this. Yeah, and like, like oh we're my doing God, our best. You mischaracterized coherent optics. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, we're yeah. doing our best. Like we truly understand that this was a terrible job, like of of explaining it. But it's it's our best effort. So, um, anyways, uh, I think that's it's it for our today. Best effort? Come on. I think, okay, I think hey, not our a... best effort is coming. It's coming. Okay, hey, yeah, my, my best effort is coming, hopefully in a po- in a in a post in a, in a second here. But um this was really how I hope I mean some people like to listen over over audio. So um I think that's all we're we're talk we're gonna talk about today. Thanks for listening and uh till next time. Uh thanks for listening. This is Doug from Fabricated Knowledge. This is uh Dylan. This is this is Dylan from Semi-Analysis. Thanks for joining us on Transistor Radio, where we talk about chips, the chip yeah. chat. <laughs>